for any new or repeating listeners, thank you so much for joining Aspire to Lead podcast. This episode is sponsored by Toddle. Toddle is an all-in-one teaching and learning platform used by over 40,000 educators around the world. This year, Toddle is hosting the largest virtual gathering for school leaders across the globe on March 3rd and 4th. Join 5,000 plus school leaders and leadership experts at School Leaders Bootcamp and learn, connect, and grow with your professional learning network. Get your free pass now in the show notes or at joshtapper.com. And I know you're probably wondering, why should I go to a School Leaders Bootcamp? Well, as a school leader, we all know that we put everyone before ourselves, our team, students, parents, and this wonderful leadership event is going to give you the opportunity to focus on yourself and your practices. Join a global community of school leaders to realize your vision, learn together with some phenomenal folks, build lasting relationships, and take back actionable insights. You know I love free resources, and this is a fantastic event and resource for you. Go over again to the show notes or joshdamper.com and get your free pass now. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Ashley, thank you so much for being on the Aspire to Lead podcast. I'm so happy to be here, Josh. Thank you. Wow. It's been a long time coming. I am a huge fan of your book, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, but I also got to meet you in person at Teach Better 22. It was fantastic. Not only the venue, the space, seeing all the folks, but then meeting you in person. It was such an honor, and uh, I, I knew I wanted to get you onto the podcast, and I'm so happy we were able to do that this evening. But before we begin, I just want to get your take on Teach Better 22 and, and that conference. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> it was so motivational. And all the guest highlighted speakers were absolutely amazing. Like I felt like I was sitting in church (laughs) every single day, like, amen. But what I loved about it most, I think, is this was the first time I went to a conference where I chose to go and I wasn't sent to go back and learn something to regurgitate it back to my campus or my district. And so I got to go and pick the sessions I wanted to go to, the ones that I wanted to hear more about. And I just got to have fun and, and enjoy the sessions. And I met so many people and just found a whole new culture and community that like, I just want to be part of. It was amazing. Like hands down the best conference I think I've ever been to. No, I love it. Well, I, I felt the same way about 19. I was like, oh, I'm really nervous about 22. And if we could, you know, kind of match that energy and, and everyone and myself included have said that it was even better. So yeah, I was super excited about just the way it turned out. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Ashley, I want to dive into your background because I got to meet you and hear a little bit about what you're doing, but I would love for my listeners to, you know, get a full story of your educational and leadership journey. Well, I know that some people take different avenues into education, but I was the typical child who wanted to be a teacher their whole life. (laughs) (laughs) And so by the time I was in sixth grade, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I tried to talk myself out of it several times before I went to college and decided to do that as a career, looked at other options, but ultimately settled on that's where my heart's and my passion's at. So I went to college, got my bachelor's degree, started teaching immediately. I had an amazing 
principal that gave this first year teacher a chance. I was the youngest teacher on staff and I looked about the same age as the fourth and fifth graders on the campus, but I learned a lot under his leadership and he gave me a lot of opportunities to work with curriculum. And when a math interventionist position came over open, I had just completed my master's in math, well, curriculum and instruction, specializing in mathematics and science. And they gave me the position. And so that was kind of my first step out of the classroom and into more of a leadership role. In my book, I talk about it was my first experience at seeing what goes on in a campus outside of your own four walls, because you only know what affects you and your students in your classroom. And then when you get out of side of those four walls, you kind of see the bigger picture and the inner workings of everything across the campus. It was also my first experience at unintentionally coaching teachers. I just kind of moved into that role more organically than like a forced situation. And that really grew my love and passion for coaching teachers. So following that role, I, I moved into a position in the new district where I coached teachers full-time and it was K through six, all content areas. And I did that for seven years at the same campus. The last three of those years, I also took on the role of the social studies coordinator for K through six for the district um, with a stipend position. And so I did those both at the same time. And then ultimately my family moved to Florida. It's been almost two years now. This coming summer will be two years since we moved to Florida. And when I transitioned from Texas to Florida is when I decided I needed to figure out what I was going to do with my life now. And so I moved into the consulting space and the contract workspace and started working with school districts and companies on curriculum design, virtual coaching of teachers, and working in some of those avenues. That's also when I started to write my book because I had the extra time at hand. And so I started writing my book and writing about my road and my journey as an instructional coach. And now, uh, most recently, I settled down full-time with a company called Reimagine Classroom. And they are a company by teachers. Um, everybody that works in the company is in, educa in education. And we write curriculum for anybody and anything who needs curriculum. From We have a huge state project going on right now where we're writing a full social, social studies curriculum for a state. We work with different apps like code.org, writing content for them and different things like that. And so it's been really fun. I'm a team leader with the company. And so I manage teams of teachers that write the curriculum and I work directly with the client and making sure that we can hit the mark on what they need for their content. I wanna go back to you as a teacher and you transitioning to outside the classroom. And I get this question all the time of, you know, I've, I've gone to get my master's, I've got this license, I've got experience, but I don't know if I'm ready to move out of the classroom into a leadership position full time. So was there something going on with your own experience or in your mind that made you feel you were ready to take on that new challenge? I don't, it was really hard to leave my babies. I'm going to be honest. Like I loved the students that I worked with. I loved the school district I was in, but really kind of life happened. I got married and we decided we wanted to live closer to family, which is the same reason we moved to Florida now. And when I switched school districts, 
there, that was the only position open at the campus that I wanted a job in. And I, I interviewed for the coaching position and that's what I got. And I was their only new hire that year. And it was an instructional coach. They did not hire any new teachers that year. Um, that campus was known for holding staff really well and teachers stayed and died on that campus. <laughs> so, um, it just, it just lucked out that that's how it happened. And I think it, it was a good experience for me too, because that's where it really tested me to build the relationships as the newcomer that was also kind of in a leadership role. But I will say it, it was a hard transition leaving the classroom. But what I kind of, I write about in my book a little bit is the way that I worked with my teachers and I loved my teachers is the same way I worked and loved my students. And it took time. It was very lonely at first. I will say I had a team. Um, my fourth grade team like picked me up and said, come with us. Let's go eat lunch. You can come to my classroom anytime, you know, and those, those little few instances, you know, that happened brought light to my world and like refired my soul for this new position that I was in. And then also, I just always have this sense of living up to expectations. And sometimes it might stress me out more than it should, but I felt like I was put in that role for a reason. And so I was going to meet the expectation of why I was in that role. So even though there was times that I felt lonely, there was times I was like, man, I wish I could just worry about my 24 kids and not all these other people's kids. I just had to remind myself of why I was put in that role and what impact I could make in that role versus the impact that I made when I was just in the classroom. I want to touch on something you said earlier about getting outside your four walls and seeing the inner workings of the school beyond your classroom. And I, I tell aspiring leaders that all the time, like get out of your classroom, go experience new things. I know for myself, I can vividly remember being in the front office and being a part of the administrative staff. And I was still a teacher at the time, but I, just the conversations of the things that were happening on the campus that I would never have done as a teacher. And I was literally picking up my jaw because I was just so dumbstruck of like, this actually happens on a campus. Like these teachers actually do this. And I'm just wondering if you had an experience similar to that when you stepped out of that classroom. And do you mean that in a positive way or a negative way? <laughs> Either way. I said a negative, but there were plenty of positive things that were going on too that I never saw outside of my classroom that I got to experience. So I, I've experienced both. And when you come in that leadership position too, you have to deal with some of those situations. And that was, I'm like, oh, how do I, I mean, I don't want to go into details about some of them, but like, how do I deal with this circumstance right now? What do I say? But also I'll say like, I got to see some people teach that I had worked with that I had never seen teach. I was just, you know, friends with, and I hear, you know, they tell their stories of what happened in their classroom that day or what it looked like. And you just, you know, you see it from their perspective. But then when you go in and see it from your perspective, it's a different light sometimes. And I will say, I think Vicki Wilson talked about this in her book too, Leading with Instructional Rounds. Yep. There's some amazing people out there who are amazing teachers and have this craft and this gift in different areas that nobody even knows about because they don't, they don't know it or they don't boast about it. And, you know, it's not shared unless you go and see it. So I will say, I, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> you see it all when you're out there and yeah there were some moments where I was like did did she just say that to that parent or is is that what I heard her say and there were some of those but there was also a lot of like 
gleaming stars that you just saw that you didn't even know about because when you're stuck in your own little walls, that's all you care about the time. So you don't even know what's going on. You don't know that the reason the fourth grade star scores are amazing on your campus is because this one teacher takes them from here to here when they leave third grade and come fourth grade, you know, so and you get to see those things when you're outside of your own four walls. Yeah. And to one person's normal is someone's extraordinary. So they don't know that if unless they're able to compare. So I definitely saw that myself as an administrator jumping in different classrooms and and being able to give some quality feedback of you're doing some really fantastic things. So I want to talk about your coaching because obviously you've talked through kind of being the teacher and transitioning to being a coach, but you know, was that a difficult transition for you? And how did you kind of get your mindset correct in now I have to lead a group of teachers? At the time, I don't think in my mind, I thought it was hard. (laughs) I thought I was just doing what I was told, but looking back, my attack method at coaching was very different than what it is now. And my mind has shifted in the way that coaching should look over the time that I've been a coach. And I was just so maybe to the point forceful at first, like, why aren't you doing it like this? Like, it should be this way. Let me show you how. Here's the things you need. Okay, try this and and let me know. And, you know, if you need help, I'll come, you know, help you or whatever. But it was more of, it's all my idea. It's, you know, the things that I've been doing as practice in the classroom. And, and yes, they were good practices and they worked. And that's one of the reasons I was chosen to be in that role. But it wasn't that person's idea. And sometimes they felt like they were being told to do the things or voluntold to, to do the things and not asked or given a choice in it. And so at the time, I didn't think it was hard. I thought I was just doing my job and checking off the boxes. But now looking back, I'm like, could I have done? a better job and was my, the way I went about it, the best method at the time. Um, I don't know what those teachers think that first year because I was at a different campus in transition. Now the campus I left after seven years, I, I feel like I had a good reputation with, but my thinking of coaching has changed a lot over the last seven years. That makes sense. I mean, with experience comes some changes in practice. I know I was a much different leader 10 years ago than how I lead now. I'm going to pause for a moment and let you know that this episode is also brought to you by Papa Rob's Coffee. This is by far our favorite coffee in the world. Head over to paparobscoffee.com, see the many varieties of wonderful medium and dark blends. And then of course, don't forget that as an Aspire to Lead listener, you get a free code here. Aspire 15 gets you 15% off your entire order head over to paparobscoffee.com. You can get a subscription or just place your order for a single bag of coffee, but I know you're going to enjoy every last drop of this phenomenal blend. It's fresh and comes right to your door, so make sure you go over to the website, Aspire15, and grab that 15% off. And now back to our wonderful guest and interview. I want to talk through some other aspects of what you're doing now as far as curriculum design. Obviously, you learn through, you know, being a young leader and, and learning how to coach. But I'm curious on, you know, your impact on curriculum design, how that's changed also through the years. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where my gift started. And that's the reason I got moved into the instructional coaching role, because I was very strong at working with curriculum. I have like one of my strengths, I feel like, is is organizing things, arranging things to make sure that they fit. So I was very good at project-based learning. 
um, transdisciplinary learning, like making those cross-curricular connections, figuring out how it was going to work in the month monthly plan, you know, what standards were we going to hit when, how are we going to assess them? And I could just look at all those things and figure out a system that worked. And so I did a lot of curriculum writing for the district, especially in the area of math. And then we launched project-based learning. The last couple of years I was there, we ended up being like a full PBL campus before I left. And so that's where I started growing that expertise. And then that's when they're like, hey, you should go into a coaching role because I had that skill set. So then it was the relationship piece that had to come after that. But as far as over the years, I think the biggest thing that I feel now about curriculum design is that it has to be so intentional. There are so many different methods to designing curriculum or bells and whistles you can throw in or try this, you know, this model or that model. But it really comes down to who are your students and what do they need. And I think that's the biggest thing I could tell any client or any teacher is what is the purpose and who is your audience? And if you really know and understand your students, you know who they are and their strengths, their weaknesses, their learning styles, their cultural backgrounds, um, what they like to do outside of school, and you bring all of those things into the classroom and meet them where they are, and it can look very different elementary versus high school, depending on what choices you give them. But I think offering them that choice in it, when you're looking at like projects and things, you know, let them choose if it's going to be something with technology or if it's going to be an art collage or, you know, whatever it is that their interests are, bringing themselves into the classroom and their choice within what they're working on, I think makes the biggest impact. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, so let's dive into your phenomenal book, Foundations of Instructional Coaching. Why did you decide to write this text and who is your audience? <laughs> so I decided to write this because... One, like I said, I was going through a life change yes. and transition, and I had the extra time. I have always wanted to write a book. I don't know why, but I've always wanted to write a book. I thought about writing, you know, like a, a fictional book. I have some pretty cool life stories. I thought about, you know, writing like a, I honestly wanted to write a Lifetime movie once. <laughs> but I've always wanted to write a book, and I actually had the time to write about it. And I started reflecting on my educational career and where I have been the longest and where I felt like I've really learned the most. And out of all of my years in education, I have been an, an instructional coach the longest. And I've grown the most over that time. And like what I said before, my, my thinking of coaching has changed so much. And when I got thrown into the role, there were no systems. There were no parameters. It was hey, you're good at what you do, go coach. Um, the principal was like, I mean, I don't know, you tell me. And so I felt like I was grasping at straws. I didn't know the whole time if I was doing the right things or the wrong things. Was I making an impact, not making an impact? Should I go make the 100 copies that the sixth grade teacher wants me to make? Or, you know, like, you know, just trying to figure yeah. out what to do. And, you know, people didn't know how to use me either. And so... I wasn't always being used in the correct ways. And over time, 
I've kind of learned, okay, what are the systems that work? What are the parameters that I can set? Eventually the district started coming around too and creating like really strict roles, role clarity, like what a coach is, what a coach isn't. They, they still never really said anything about coaching cycles, like what a coaching cycle looks like. But there's just some of those things that if you're new into the coaching role or even like I've met with coaches that have been doing it for three years and still don't know what they're doing. That's why I wrote this book. That's my audience. My audience is the ones that are thinking about going into coaching or have been coaching or like newbie coaches and still just aren't sure and haven't figured it out. And it's it's almost like a toolkit for them to go through the process of thinking, what does coaching look like for me on my campus or in my district? What's my role clarity? What are my parameters? What are my structures that I'm going to use? Um, what does it look like when I have a coaching cycle with a teacher? And so it it takes them through each chapter is kind of a chunk of its own to process and think through those areas that I felt like made me a successful coach. And I just share the tips and tricks that I have. There's free resources in there that they can download. Like they're probably not the prettiest or whatever. They can take them, change them, adapt them however they want to. Just a resource for them to use to kind of figure out, okay, what does coaching look like for me or for my campus, or for my district? And what are our expectations of a coach and what does that look like? Well, actually, I'm going to ask you this question maybe a little early because I think it'll connect with your book, which is for those who may be thinking about becoming an instructional coach, what is something they can do tomorrow or next week to enhance their skills? I think one, like I said before, it goes back to knowing your audience and your who. I, in my book, one of the chapters is about differentiating your coaching because I believe just as much as we differentiate for kids, we should differentiate for adults. And I have very specific learning styles that coaches can choose from when I coach them. So I would challenge new coaches to go survey your teachers, find out what are the strategies that they like that you're using, what are they not like, how, what is their learning style, and try to figure out how you can meet them where they're at so that you can be successful at coaching. I love it. As, as an administrator, I leaned heavily on my instructional coaches. They were my backbone for our campus. And it did take some years of the district and us kind of collaborating to kind of figure out what that job even entailed and how they're going to support our teachers. And I feel like this past year, they really felt comfortable for the first time in years because of not only their own experience of going through that, but then also the support that they were receiving from the district. So I love your resource. I hope anyone that is either in the instructional coaching profession now, or for those who are aspiring to do that, that you check out Ashley's book, Foundations of Instructional Coaching. And Ashley, I get to see you in a couple of weeks at FETC. Mm -hmm. And I know you're going to be there with Reimagined Classroom. So what is your role going to be there? And what are you going to do uh, during the conference? So we're going to have a huge booth. We're really super excited. So there's going to be a team of six of us, I think, there. And we're all part of the leadership team for our company. So it'll be the two owners and then four four or five project managers. One of them is our director of curriculum and instruction. And then I will be there as the team lead for our curriculum projects. And so we will be there talking to people about the professional development that we do within districts, um, the curriculum design offerings that we have, but we also, we're going to have some fun games going on and some giveaways and um, it's going to be a fun time. I'm really excited about it. Well, that's awesome. And I know I'm going to be there myself speaking. I'm going to do a book signing there also. 
and maybe it's even your your booth. I don't know where we're going to be set up, but then also uh, Jeff and I probably will be busting out the microphone and doing some podcasting. So maybe we'll we'll get to pull you away from the booth and talk to you a little bit more uh, about all the wonderful things you're doing. Yeah, I'm planning on bringing my book too and doing some giveaways with it. So all right. if any instructional coaches around want to drop by, I'm going to take some books with me. Definitely. That's awesome. So you got to find Ashley when she's there at the FETC conference and maybe she'll hook you up with a free book. That's awesome. So how can folks connect with you beyond FETC? How can they connect with you on social media? So I'm most active on Twitter at Ashley underscore Hubner or coaching underscore access. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram at Ashley underscore Hubner or same thing, coaching underscore access. Um, I do have a Facebook group. So if you find me at facebook.com backslash coaching dot access, um, there, the first post pin post on there is to a confessions of a coach Facebook group. So if you're an instructional coach or thinking about becoming an instructional coach, feel free to join our community. You come in, ask for advice. I did a book study recently, a virtual live book study. I'll probably do one again in the spring and probably one again in the summer. So know that that will be free and it's there for you if you want to hop in that group and I'll keep everything updated through that group. Well, and you, your website's wonderful. You got blogs on there. And then also, I know you put out a newsletter also that people can sign up for. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do a newsletter um, about once a month. I try not to bog people down, but just highlighting, you know, articles or any podcasts or any events coming up or anything that instructional coaches would be interested in or want to know. I did start doing some blogging for Teach Better, so I cross-post those blogs as well on my website from Teach Better. Yeah, you do a phenomenal job, and Ashley, we're just so blessed to be connected with you in so many different ways, and I just think you are such a wonderful resource for those in the instructional coaching field. So thank you for not only being on the Aspire to Lead podcast, but for all that you do for those in education. Well, thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. I was very excited to be here tonight and talk to everybody.